Advent. This is Christianity's season of pregnancy. Instead of nine months, we have four weeks. And we've actually put on our maternity clothes. There's a new color for this season, the color of blue, the stole that I am wearing. Blue, stole that indicates I'm a priest. Up here on the altar, instead of green, we have blue, burst and veil. And for your vocabulary lesson, a veil is the thing that is surrounding and covering the chalice and the paten, chalice cup, paten, bread plate, and on top, the burse, the flat, hinged, hard covering. And then there is the blue chasuble that Nate is wearing. <laughs> Reverend Nate's holy poncho, the holy poncho us priests wear when we are presiding at the Eucharist. Our maternity blue, so to speak, sets us apart visually from the rest of the liturgical year. It sets us apart for the season of Advent, season of expectation, and hope, anticipation. Yet Advent holds more than just the sacred hope for Christ's birth. Very much like what an expectant mother or parent experiences, this time of waiting also holds fear and worries and anxieties. Think of new parental concerns Will this child come to term? What if I can't breastfeed? What if I don't bond with my baby? Can I even be a good parent? And then there's the meta-anxiety. What kind of world am I bringing this child into? And let's look at the world today, the state of our nation, we're cruelly turning our backs on people fleeing for their lives. We're ignoring gun violence, letting mass murders proliferate. We're allowing discrimination to continue to run riot. We're not responding vigorously to voices of protest, African Americans screaming, Black Lives Matter, women shouting, Me Too. And then look at how we're destroying our planet with our greed. This is part of the tension of Advent. Baby Jesus vis-a-vis -vis the hurt and broken world. So this isn't simply a season of excitement. It's a time to hold this tension. A world marked by calamity and God, Jesus, breaking into this world. Our scriptures in Advent invite us to look at the tough reality of today, our individual lives and in our collective lives, and then to look at God's promise of new life amidst our suffering. And this morning's scripture, the one appointed for every Episcopal church to read on the first Sunday this year in Advent, it doesn't have angels singing or shepherds gathering, kings noticing a star. No, we have an apocalyptic text 
where Jesus talks about his second coming and that his coming will be heralded by calamity. Scripture says there will be roaring of the seas and waves, powers of heaven and earth being shaken. Jesus acknowledges the hard reality of worldly suffering, and to that he says no. The suffering is not the end. God is coming. The climax of the story of humankind is God's coming into the world. And at the heart of this gospel, right in the middle of it, Jesus gives us his marching orders, calling us in this season to orient our hearts in these times of trial, orient our hearts to God, even when we don't feel hope. And I think there's some sacred beauty in the fact that our color blue of Advent coincides with our cultural association of blue with sadness and depression and bearing the weight of pain. Jesus knows that is how we feel when we face worldly suffering when we face catastrophes writ large in our lives, lives of our community, our nation, and the world. And that's certainly how I've felt a lot this year, and especially in recent months. Weighed down so many times with so many horrible things unfolding in our world. And how many weeks have Reverend Nate or I stood up here to preach and had to say in one form or another, this was a tough week. Now Jesus knows that in the face of darkness, our instincts, our gut reactions are typically to succumb to this weight. Our instincts aren't to turn to God, but often to turn away. And this gospel specifically names all the human reactions that are typical to disasters and adversity. Distress, confusion, fear and foreboding, so much so that it says people faint, hearts weighed down, dissipation, and I had to look that word up. It means escaping into excitement parties and whatnot. Drunkenness, succumbing to the worries of life. These are our gut reactions. This is where we go when hardships hit, typically. Our distress and our confusion breed fear. Fear breeds obsession with self-protection at the expense of others. Fear breeds the desire to escape. It may be escaped through substance abuse, workaholism, whatever is your escape of choice. And we succumb to that weight. But Jesus wants us to know there's a better way, a different way. There's a divine promise that God will break into the world anew. And right in the heart of this passage, right in the middle, Jesus says the kingdom of God is near. Our redemption, our salvation is near. 
and that Jesus' words will never pass away. The description of how God comes is one where God will come with power and great glory. We will be redeemed. We will be saved. What a promise. Jesus near us in our suffering, and ultimately God with us in even more fullness. And this is the hope to which we are invited in Advent to turn. So how do we do that? What do we do with this knowledge that we're in a pregnant time, God already near us, partially with us, but God not fully here. This already and not yet. So in the text, Jesus gets specific about that too. First, he says we're to stand up. We're to raise our heads. Don't run away. Don't escape. There's hope. And he talks about it in terms of a fig tree. A fig tree and any trees that have lost their leaves in winter. They will have new leaves. We will see those little sprouts. And there will be summer. And there will be renewal. Then Jesus says we are to be on guard. Be alert for God. Just looking for God breeds hope. And finally, the big one. Jesus tells us, to pray. And he even gets specific about what we are to pray for. We're to pray for strength. That's it. Pray for strength. God's strength is offered to us in abundance with such great love, and that's what we're to pray for. We're not to pray for the bad stuff to go away, because it won't. Pray for God's loving strength to fill us so much that hope comes to life and that hope breeds more hope and action and God's love in the world in all that we do. And you know, at the heart of the theology of the, of the Episcopal Church is this idea that praying shapes believing. Praying shapes our hope. Praying shapes us in a way that we can circle right back to that first thing Jesus says for us to do. Stand up, raise our heads, and walk in hope. So this is how we are to stand with God, the God who's already with us and the God who is coming. So if you'd like a little bit of homework, take the gospel home with you. Take out two different color pens or highlighters and read the text closely. And look at, these, at our human reactions on one, one side. Just go through with your first color and circle or underline the different reactions we have to calamity. And then with your second color, perhaps the prettier color, perhaps blue, Go and look for what God calls you to do and calls us all to do. I listed both in the sermon. You'll be able to listen online if you have trouble with your circling. But this 
is a prayer we can pray, these, these two halves of, of where we can orient our, our hearts. This is what we can pray in Advent. Do we react humanly and orient ourselves towards ourselves? Or do we orient ourselves towards God and God's call and God's promise? It's a tension to sit in. And it's a part and parcel of what happens with any prolonged waiting. We have such hope, and we know there's promise when we wait, but we also live with fear and anxiety. So how will we orient our hearts this season? The call in Advent is orient them to God. Orient them to the one who is coming. This is how we prepare for Christ's birth. Come, O come, Emmanuel, and let us prepare the way of the Lord. Amen.